Hi, everybody. Welcome to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivry, your host. Today, when myth meets reality in Poland. Ashkenazi Jews, whose grandparents or great-grandparents hail from the Pale of Settlement, tend to grow up with certain notions about where they came from and why they left. Based on those generally horrific accounts, most of those Jews see little reason to visit Eastern Europe. Jonathan Gruber was no different. Nevertheless, in 1994, he tacked Poland onto the itinerary of a trip through Europe. The visit was intended to confirm all those preconceived notions. Instead, it did quite the opposite. Here's his story. The train let off a blast of steam and slowly ground to a halt. Okay, it was an electric train and it barely made a sound as it pulled into Krakow, Poland's central station. But in my imagination, the scene was in black and white, like a World War II movie. I was a 25-year-old New York Jew backpacking around Europe on my own, and I was pulling into the country my family had fled a hundred years earlier. I was raised an Ashkenazi Jew in the United States. My family on my father's side came originally from Poland in what was then called the Pale of the Settlement. In my experience, people with this background are told, as children, two very important pieces of information about exactly how that went down. We are told, number one, all Poles hate Jews. And number two, our ancestors left Poland because the Jew-hating Poles committed terrible atrocities called pogroms and chased them out of the country. My grandfather Isaac and his brothers immigrated in the early 1900s from a small city in western Poland called Konin, I imagined Conan to look just like Anatevka from Fiddler on the Roof. I'd seen the movie, and I was even in the play in the 11th grade. I played Perchik, the Jewish Bolshevik who falls in love with one of Tevye's daughters. So, armed with this incredibly well-informed and utterly unbiased opinion, I headed off to Poland in 1994. And just to make the picture complete... I was not going there to see Krakow, one of Europe's most beautiful and well-preserved medieval cities, with its royal history, ancient university, and unique salt mines. I was there, like a good Jewish boy, to visit Auschwitz. So, I hopped off the train, made my way to a youth hostel, and then booked a bus tour to a death camp. I'm not going to dwell on Auschwitz other than to say it is even worse than the hundreds of things you have already heard and seen. You do enter under a sign that says Arbeit macht frei, work makes you free. But the reality is that Auschwitz wasn't even the bad camp. Nearby Birkenau was bigger, badder, and where the real business of genocide was conducted. Our guide made us reach down and touch the earth. You see, he said, there's still ash on your fingers. The inside doorway of the barracks also have a slogan, Zauber sein ist deine Pflicht, or you are required to stay clean. It was a terrible irony. I left Auschwitz with an overriding sense of horror, and like my grandfather, 
I need to flee Krakow. I need to get out of Poland as fast as possible. I hated the place and I hated the Poles. I immediately bought a train ticket to Budapest and got on. Sitting right across from me was a pretty, lithe, young, blonde woman about my age. I struck up a conversation. She told me her name was Agnieszka and she was heading home from college to Katowice. We had a wonderful, earnest, flirtatious conversation. There was an attraction, and so, in the end, I told her my story. And she listened and didn't judge or get upset. She just nodded her head with a look of great sympathy. I had to change trains at Katowice, and so we got off, and she waited the hour with me for my connecting train. Agnieszka gave me her number, just like that, told me that if I ever came back, I should call and I could stay with her. I got on the train to Hungary feeling very puzzled and a little guilty. Could it be that I had been just a tad hasty in my judgment of an entire society, an entire people? A decade later, I decided to make a documentary about my family history. This meant going back to Poland, all the way to Konin. Nearly a century had passed since my ancestors had left it behind. And the Holocaust, as we know all too well, had more or less decimated Poland's Jewish population, so I didn't know what I would find. Maybe there was nothing left. I started off by trying to find an address. So I went to the records office at the regional capital Poznan, where they keep all the old records, and I ordered the birth, death, and marriage books from between 1890 and 1910. Now, our family story says that my grandfather Isaac immigrated to New York in 1906. It didn't help that that area of Poland kept changing hands between Russia and Germany and was even briefly independent. So my surname in these books would be in Cyrillic and German and Polish. Awesome. In the end, I found my great-grandfather's and great-uncle's names. There were marriage records and birth records, and there was something else, something really peculiar. The ledger would have a person's name in print and, next to that, a handwritten signature. But next to my family members' names, there were no signatures, just X's. Marriage, X, birth, X, death. You get the point. Now, my father took every opportunity to tell me that even when most Europeans were illiterate, the Jews could read. It was part of the religion, and interest in education was another part of my family story. But here, in these ledgers, there were just X's, and for some reason, no addresses either. So there would be no knocking nervously on a door and asking permission to walk through an old family home, imagining a full Jewish life before the fear-driven exodus to America, no looking in the corner of a shack and imagining the warmth of the hearth, the klezmer, the plucking of whatever joy life had to offer despite it all, you know, like in Fiddler on the Roof. There was nothing left other than to actually go to Conan, so I did. Konin is a small city of about 80,000, around 40 minutes from Poznan. Before the war, it had a sizable Jewish community, now all gone. 
Conan isn't rich, it isn't poor, it isn't especially pretty, but neither is it the wood shack shtetlite imagined. The houses are all well-kept two-story jobs with a stately, kind of a Habsburg look. They're painted pink or powder blue. It's actually pretty okay. The director of the local historical museum was Catholic, like most Poles, but she had taken it upon herself to collect what artifacts were left of Jewish life in Conan. The museum courtyard had a collection of gravestones with Hebrew engraved on them. Inside, there were silver kiddish cups, knickknacks. But in the center of it all, in a glass display, she had preserved the holiest of holies, a complete Torah, displayed beautifully, proudly, reverently even. Clearly, this woman was no anti-Semite, so I told her my family story. I told her that we had fled the pogrom here in Conan. My family had fled the humiliations put upon them by anti-Semitic Poles to seek a better life in America. And she shook her head. Pogroms. Yes, there have been pogroms in Poland during that time, but almost always in the East, there were no pogroms in Conan or even in the whole region. This part of Poland has also been German, so the Polish Jews were very integrated here. They served on the town council. They did well for themselves, all except for the Konigsberg Jews. The Konigsberg Jews, I asked. Yes, they were immigrants from Prussia, from Konigsberg. They were unskilled and poorly educated, illiterate, really, very poor. I thought of all the X's in the birth registry. Your last name is originally Graubart, yes? Well, that doesn't sound Polish. You're probably a Konigsberg Jew. Most of them immigrated to England and America around the turn of the century to look for work. Really, there were no pogroms here. Later, I read a definitive book about Jewish life in Conan, and indeed, there were no pogroms in Conan then. In fact, there were almost no pogroms in Poland anywhere at that time. In the distance, I heard a penny drop. After the museum, I went to the one place in the center of Conan where my family was certain to have been, the beautiful old white synagogue. There were still menorahs fashioned into the iron gate. It was a library now, whitewashed walls with beautiful vaulting ceilings and colorful frescoes all along the columns that formed the bima in the middle of the room where they put the cash register. It really looked like a synagogue, only with stacks of books everywhere. People were milling about, fingering the books... I closed my eyes and tried to imagine a service. I tried to imagine my grandfather dovening, maybe reading a prayer book or pretending to read a prayer book. And then I realized that time and war had wiped out any possibility of actually finding out what their lives were really like. I will never meet a relative or see an old shtetl home. Nothing was as it was told to me. Conan is nice. I didn't meet a single anti-Semite. My family were not fleeing persecution. They were probably illiterate economic migrants just looking for something better. That's probably my family's whole story. One of the librarians saw I was not looking at books and asked me what I was doing here, so I told her why. She hurried off and came back with another woman, the manager, she asked me if I was Jewish and if my family was from Conan. I said yes. And she said, somewhat hesitantly, well, 
what do you think of what we've done to the synagogue? Wait a minute. Does she want my blessing? So I said, well, another word for synagogue in Yiddish is shul, which means school. A library is a kind of a school, so I can't think of a better use for the place. She took a deep breath and looked satisfied. And you know what? So was I. Jonathan Gruber lives in the Netherlands, and he hosts the podcast The State We're In from WBEZ. This story first aired on that podcast in slightly different form. If you liked what you heard today or any time you listen to the podcast, why not share it with others? It's very easy, and surely you don't want them to miss out. A Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Sarah Ivry. We thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. We've got a great conversation with the beloved cartoonist Roz Chast. Thank you.